0: The practice was a vehicle for us, but it was really the feeling of peace, the feeling of being present, or something that the military doesn't prepare you for. Very rarely are we in the present moment.
1: Thanks for checking out Guys Talking Yoga. So this podcast is focused on getting more men into yoga by raising awareness of its many benefits through conversations with other guys. I'm your host, Derek Walker, and today's guest is Phil Sussman, the creator and founder of American Yogi. While serving our nation as a captain in the U.S. Army, Phil sustained a really bad back injury in 2015, fracturing two lumbar vertebrae. After two weeks immobilized, he transitioned from a walker to a cane and eventually began running again. But he was still dealing with incredible pain, and it was his wife who said, listen, why don't you give yoga a shot? In this conversation, Phil and I talk about the physical, emotional, and mental challenges of his injury and how the trauma led him to his yoga practice and ultimately allowed him to find peace, self-acceptance, and a path towards meaning and purpose, which not only did it get him out of the gutter, but it helped him come up with the idea to create a yoga brand that he could relate to, American Yogi, a brand that was inspired to help other men consider the practice of yoga and ultimately a brand that's for everyone. I know you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Phil. One of the things I appreciate about Phil is He's a warrior poet, and he writes some really great poetry that you can see on his Instagram site for American Yogi, and we've added one of his poems at the end of this podcast, so stick around for that. Enjoy the conversation. Sussman, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, Derek. Thanks for having me, brother.
1: So we're going to get into your brand, American Yogi, in a little bit. But I'd love to start out and hear your story for how you got into yoga and what brought you to your path.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I was a typical dude. I had no interest in yoga, no interest in spirituality, no interest in tapping into my feeling or my soul. When I was a younger man, I went through some pretty tough times. The nexus really for me was when I broke my back in 2015 in a training accident, fractured L2, L3, transverse straight across the vertebrae.
1: So two parts of the back.
0: Straight across. So I found myself in a place where I couldn't move really at all. I was laid out flat on the couch anytime I needed to drink or even use the bathroom or anything. My wife had to come by my side, either prop me up in screaming pain. She'd be crying. I'd be crying. It was a a pretty terrible experience. And that was only probably two months after I'd lost a couple of close friends. So I was in a really terrible place, both physically and mentally. And I had gone to uh, special operations, civil affairs selection.
1: You fractured your back at LTL l 3 Did you have surgery, by the way? Or was it one of those things where you had to be in a brace or something and just let the bones heal?
0: Yeah, so when they told me that I broke my back, the first thing I thought was, well, my, my military career is over. But thankfully, there was no surgery necessary. And they said, you'll just naturally heal. So I laid on the couch for about two weeks straight that end or without stop. And then finally, when I was in a place enough to actually sit up, I went to a walker. And then from a walker, I went to a cane from a cane. I went to walking and from walking, I started jogging and then making my way back. But I was absolutely debilitated. Came back from that. I was in a pretty brutal place physically and mentally still as I hadn't done anything towards my healing. We're trained to just continue to push through things to man up and go. So I did that for a couple months. and so I came home and I was in a pretty terrible place. And go figure, my wife looks at me and she says, try yoga. And of course, my first instinct was, no, that's for chicks. That's not for me. Right. Uh, it's too, right. I, I don't wear yoga tights. I don't dig crystals, all this stuff. It's not for me. A little more time went by and I quit my pain meds. I was tired of being continually doped up, trying to block the pain. and I wanted to start working through it. And I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot so i wasn't gonna go alone though it's my first time went to yoga i brought a buddy he was a 240 pound tanker just a big beast of a man and we went in there with a couple beach towels because we didn't know any better at the time and we started practicing and it felt so foreign to us we felt like we stood out like sore thumbs we felt like we didn't know what we were doing because we didn't but there was something about it that drew us both in we were both combat arms types guys that live, breathe, and train for war 24 hours a day, seven days a week for you know our entire career. But we got in the yoga studio and we said, oh, this is actually pretty awesome. We can actually take a breath and people are not going to judge us for tapping in and dropping in a little bit of peace. So it became a practice where we started with one day, two days a week, became quickly a three to five day a week practice. And it's something that we became addicted to very quickly. The practice was a vehicle for us, but it was really the feeling of peace, the feeling of being present was something that the military doesn't prepare you for. We're always thinking about either the thing that's coming up in the future or the thing that we just did. But very rarely are we in the present moment. So for a couple of dudes that had spent years just training for war, training for that next thing. To be able to be present in the moment and to feel truly held by an instructor emotionally and physically, it was like nothing we'd ever felt before. We were addicted at that point.
1: Let me ask you, because there's a couple of levels of suffering. Physically, you're in a lot of pain. It's overwhelming. And then there's the fear, I'm no longer my former self and I can't do what I used to do. And then you have the fear fast forward, which I feel like all of us do, no matter what the circumstance, right? About what does the rest of my life look like? And so at that point, here you're lying on the couch, you're in pain, you're stressed out, super anxious. Like anyone who probably be in that situation, you're probably pretty depressed just considering all the scenarios. What was going through your mind at that point, dealing with trying to let go of who Phil was before that moment in time?
0: I mean, my first thought was, well, it's going to be a radical change of lifestyle. Like, okay, I'm not going to be a soldier anymore. I'm not going to be able to continue this life that I planned and seen myself doing for so many years. So I think the kind of evolution of my identity started right then at that moment that I broke my back. I would say at the moment, I wasn't fully aware that it was going to change my life as significantly as it did. But I would say that I broke my back was an absolutely pivotal moment in my life where nothing was ever going to be the same. The the way that manifested, the way that it looked in my life was different throughout the years. When I went through selection, I had to have multiple dudes pick me up off the ground when I was carrying heavy weight on my back for fifty, sixty, seventy miles over a couple of yeah. days. And then over time that became okay, well, then that I'm back. Well then that means I didn't change my workout routine. And then my yoga even changed over the years from being someone that started in kind of restorative and then I went into vinyasa and now I'm kind of somewhere between I like kind of like a soulful type of yoga you know I have to do so many variations with my body and even down to the way I sleep at night down to the way that I get up out of bed or the way that I get up from the couch or when I'm laying everything changed from that moment in ways that I couldn't have foreseen at all I just knew that it was a pivotal moment in my life where I was a nine out of ten on the pain scale and all I wanted to do was end that pain and I did the exact opposite by kicking my pain meds and then
1: took up yoga. Yeah, it reminds me of this quote by Hemingway. He writes, many of us are broken, but some of us are strongest in the broken places. From that injury, from that weak spot, did you find over time in your yoga practice, not only were you able to kind of work through some of that muscular trauma, but even kind of the emotional tension that was so tightly wrapped around And so tightly defined by that injury. And I feel like pain's pretty overwhelming, but over time you can learn a lot from where your body's struggling. And I know it's helped my yoga practice as far as showing me where I need to go or what I need to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, I think the amazing thing about yoga is that you can use as a vehicle to access either the body or the mind or both together, depending on what it is you're looking for. I've talked to many people that they're, they're solely in yoga for the physical aspect of it and other people that are solely in for the mental aspect. For me, my yoga started with meditation. A lot of people, when they think yoga, they think the asana, you think the postures. But for one of the limbs of yoga, you're talking concentration, you're talking meditation. So for me, I started in meditation practice and that Really opened up my heart, opened up my mind, allowed me to truly tune into who I am as a person, what my values are, and where it is I want to go as, as a man, as a soldier, as a father, as a husband.
1: And then as time went on, when I started to
0: find my yoga practice after my meditation practice, it was, a light bulb went off and I realized, oh man, this is the moving meditation that my body has been craving. So when I did find yoga, it allowed me to both access that mental aspect of healing that I truly needed, that didn't that I didn't fully understand how much I needed, and then the physical aspect, which is really the more obvious aspect of yoga, that I thought, I'll do yoga, I will help stretch my back out, help the sciatica, help the nerve pain, but kind of the added bonus, the kicker to yoga for me was that I was able to actually deal with what I called at the time, my demons.
1: So... When and where were you emotionally, physically, mentally, when somebody brought the idea of going to yoga? And and what were your initial thoughts and feelings and reactions to that kind of advice for where you were in your life?
0: So when my wife entertained the idea of doing yoga... I was bottom of the barrel at that point, both physically and mentally. I was in extreme depression, and I was in a lot of pain. As resistant as I was to it, however, I I trust my wife. And when she told me it's something that she's gained a lot from over the years, I decided to give it a shot, despite my resistance as an ultra-masculine male at that time. You know, I started truly from the bottom when I started doing yoga. What I tell people all the time is that yoga isn't necessarily the doll of healing. Yoga is an aspect of our healing. So. You know, I had a meditation practice, I started going to therapy, and then I started yoga. I had psychotherapy for my head, and I also had physical therapy for my back at the time. So it was really that combination, that whole-body approach, allowed me to start my healing. And, and I truly believe that without that yoga, that aspect of being able to feel strong in something. I was in a place in my life where I didn't feel strong. I couldn't lift weights, I couldn't run. It was slowly easing into yoga, allowed me to find some true personal strength in a practice and allowed me to regain some of that confidence I
1: lost in my injury. Do you remember going to that first yoga class? You must've been like kind of stressed about like, what are they going to do to me? What am I going to have to do? I feel like most guys, regardless of their stuff, when they go to yoga class, they are clearly in the back towards the doorway. to be able to slip out of there. Do you remember that experience?
0: No, I I remember it vividly, actually. I still remember the teacher, I remember the studio, I remember what I felt like, I remember what the studio looked like. You know, it's funny, now that you ask that, looking back, I didn't realize, you know, how much I've distilled that memory in my mind, but, yeah, I do remember that. We took a spot to the back right, where we could scoot off when needed to. We walked in there, we didn't feel like we belonged, necessarily. You know, we walk in the studio, and everything's foreign. You see... Yoga pants and you know yoga crops and everything hung up on the...
1: You're like, where, where are the Van Halen posters? I don't see any of this stuff in here. Yeah,
0: and I, when I walked in the studio, I, I didn't necessarily feel like, oh, I was called to this. I was called to practice. I was called to the studio. It was more me walking into something foreign rather than me walking into home, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, totally does. So you started going to one class, then you went to another class. Was there really that somatic feeling of you were working through stuff Or was it just merely the fact that you were just getting exercise? Like you just felt like you were moving in a safe way that was feeling good for your body and you couldn't explain it?
0: I think the kind of amazing thing about it was that I think that it it goes hand in hand between the body and the mind. And when I started my practice, I started out in a studio called Hot Asana in Colorado Springs. And I was lucky enough to both learn my 200 hour and practice in North Carolina as well. But when I walked in that studio, I felt like I could truly access both the physical side, which was providing me healing for my body and a a place where I felt like I was actually starting to make progress with my pain. But also at the same time, I felt like I was in a safe enough place where I could move my body in a way where I knew it wasn't going to hurt it further. And I think that's a very unique experience in yoga to find somewhere where you have it all at once, where you can practice and grow and learn both with your teachers and with your peers.
1: So as your practice evolved and it moved you out of pain and it moved some of the stress out of your body, did you start to fall in love with the process of slowly building on your practice? Like when I look around, I see people doing different poses and some of those poses I can't do right now and some of them I probably will never be doing, but there's other poses that I've been working towards or now do that I couldn't do when I was in a really bad place physically, mentally, emotionally, and sort of... The chipping away at those postures and those asanas and the practice itself is super gratifying and fulfilling, and like your own little hobby that you just do on the side and you never judge where you're at that day. You just know you're, you're getting better at it.
0: Yeah, I, I think something that, that took me a while to come to terms with was how yoga was going to look for me. You know, when I started my practice, you look to the whether it's Instagram accounts or the other people in class that are doing handstands and headstands. And...
1: Usually on a mountaintop, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And I think to myself, well, that's where I want to be. That's the goal, to look really cool when I'm doing yoga. So I pushed my body past where it was naturally capable of. But through the years, I found so much more strength. And this is how I am as a teacher as well. Is finding strength in the simplicity of yoga. And that's really where I shine now, both as a practitioner and as a teacher, is keeping practice very basic, very simple. You can still push yourself and find these truly like deep moments of practice where you can feel the dopamine surging through your body and you're sweating and you're moving. But all you're doing is warrior two and a bunch of different variations. To me, that is what my practice has become. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I no longer personally have an urge to have a handstand practice, have a headstand practice, have inversion practice. For me, as long as I can have a mindful practice and however that looks, that's what's important to me now, even if that's just doing you know, some sun salutations for a little while.
1: Amen. So I heard on a recent podcast, your conversation with Nate Gladden, I really appreciated Nate's mission with that podcast called Inheriting Manhood about sharing the stories yeah. of other men and just guys sharing with other guys with the intention of helping other guys. And during that discussion, you shared a story about doing yoga in the Middle East in Qatar. Tell the listeners about that story, because I was blown away by what you knew you needed and how you figured out how to take care of yourself and take care of others out there.
0: So it was a very concerted effort. Before I deployed on this last deployment, I decided to get my 200-hour certification, partially for myself to enhance my practice. and The other side of that was to be able to spread it to people that needed it a it. So on this last deployment that I went on, I was at a point of my career when I was in a leadership position, and I knew that I was in a spot to potentially influence people, what I decided was that I wasn't going to let the idea that I could be judged for doing something like yoga, I could be judged for doing something that's not typically ultra masculine, not let that get in the way of what my body or my soul what my mind needed. So when I got to country, we were in route to my last deployment, and we stopped in Qatar for, I think it was for a week or two. It was on the front end of COVID. We were kind of holding the area where we could push to our final destination, and We had nothing there, it was very bare bones. It was a few barracks, trailers essentially, and that was it. And it was fenced and there was sand and rocks. So I thought to myself, well, I need something right now. What I'm getting from sitting in my barracks room and playing with my leadership is not truly fulfilling me in a way that I know my body and my mind need. So I need to practice right now. But I didn't have my mat yet. My mat was in my luggage essentially that was still getting shipped overseas. So I found the cardboard box, I stripped it open, I put some rocks on the corners of it, and I decided that I was going to practice in the very center of where we were all staying. And I thought to myself, well, if I can find some healing, maybe I can also help those around me find a little bit of peace while we're waiting to go into you know, a combat zone. So when I started practicing, it was just me on day one. I had a little, like a little tiny $30 speaker that I had found on the way there at the post exchange. And I started practicing on my own and just moving in ways that were fulfilling to me and ways that felt good to me. But after day one, after getting some side glances from the guys that were around the camp with me, day two, I had another guy on the mat next to me, which turned out to be another cardboard box who had never practiced yoga before. And then day two, I had a couple more guys. And by the time we got in my country, about a dozen guys by the time that I left deployment, we had probably two dozen guys that had never touched yoga before, that had never stepped on a yoga mat before, that were all of a sudden practicing and interested. I actually ran into one of the guys that I had taught overseas who was a medic actually took teacher training at the same place that I took teacher training back in North Carolina after we got home because he enjoyed the yoga that I taught him so much. So from that one moment of deciding that it was okay, that I was going to allow myself a little bit of vulnerability in front of this special operation unit that I deployed with to potentially change people's lives by allowing them to be okay to enter the practice.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And one of the great things, and there's many great things about what having a yoga practice can do for you. But one of them is just knowing what your body and your mind needs. And it could be you're on calls all the time, you're closing a deal, you're working late hours. You need, as one guy said to me, a 90 minute vacation from what you're doing at work in that day. For others, it might be you've been traveling a lot and you get to the hotel room and you got a little travel yoga mat and you just unfold it out and you just use that moment to check in. And here you were in Qatar you don't have any yoga mat. You find a cardboard box, you lay it out, you got some rocks to kind of keep the corners down. And what I can appreciate is that you knew what you needed. You needed that practice, that space. Yes, the cardboard was probably softer than your knees being right on that ground. At the same time, it's not as cushy as the Manduka mat in Beverly Hills. But you also had that space, that two and a half feet wide, call it five feet long, where it's not just a place where you do your down dog and your warrior two and that kind of thing. It's kind of a place to take you where you need to go, no matter where you are, and just check out and check in. And the fact that you were like, I I don't really care who was looking at me. I got to do this for me. And it sounds like a lot of guys were like, he's getting something out of that. And maybe we should be doing that.
0: I think what you said kind of hits the nail on the head, too. Is you know, when a lot of guys maybe they see yoga and want to try it and then get into a yoga studio and then maybe feel like the people around them have more advanced practice or they can't move in the ways that other people can move that are around them. And I think one of the incredible things about the practice is that you can take what you need from it. For example, I just got out of a Hatha class and there's a lot of things that my body cannot do that those around me were doing. But there's strength in taking what you can out of the practice and learning about your body and learning about your mind, learning to put the ego aside and really pay attention to what it is that your body needs at any given time, you know, because it may be different from one day to the next.
1: Yeah. And the great thing about having your own home practice is obviously you do what you need to do that day and you've got your own journey. The great thing about going to a studio is you let somebody else drive, even if you're a certified teacher. You just let somebody else drive the class and you see what they have to share in the way they do it. And you also know there are things that you're not going to do. And the teacher might say, well, try do doing this. And you're like, nope, I got it. I'm in a good place. I know what I'm working on. And they'll respect that and they'll get that. And you know to grab your blocks or a bolster or find a wall because there's certain things that you need those props to kind of help you do what you need to do. And that's what's so great is that you eventually realize what you need and what you don't need. And you just constantly learn because you and I are going to be moving very differently in 30 years. And we're going to be so much further along in many ways. In other ways, we're going to have new physical limitations. As one guy said, the meat suit doesn't last forever. So you might as well figure out who you really are.
0: Yeah. I think in my opinion, the hardest part is putting your own ego aside for that. And realizing that it's okay to be where you are in your practice at whatever moment that is, whether it's from year to year or from day to day. And I think, at least for me, from where I came from, both in the military and in my life, it was hard to put aside that ego and say, well, this is what my body's capable of and this is what I need to be listening to right now. But once you can do that, once you, you can get to a space in your practice where you can listen to what your body is telling you, I think that's one of the beauties of the practice that you can find so much strength in something that maybe you didn't think was as advanced as as you thought initially.
1: Amen. During COVID, one of my friends shared that the word passion and the word suffering have the same Latin root. But the idea that your passion and your suffering both sort of mean the same thing. So out of your suffering, a lot of people find their passions. They find their life callings. They find the things that matter to them. Out of your struggles, you came up with the idea of American Yogi. So if you could, tell us a little bit about where did the idea come from you? What did it mean at that point when you first started working on the idea? And what does American Yogi mean now to you?
0: Yeah, when I started American Yogi with my brother, it was an idea. And the idea came from a yoga festival that I'd been to in North Carolina where there was something like 15, 20,000 women. And I maybe counted 20 men when I was there. It was, it was a birthday present for my wife. She knew I was into the practice. She said, I'm taking to take this festival and you're going to love it. And I did. I absolutely loved the festival, but there was next to no men there at all. Even when I went around the field there to look for a shirt, it was my birthday. I wanted to get something to remember by. I couldn't find one shirt that was made for men. So the idea kind of popped in my head that, you know, I, As much as I've healed from this practice, as much as I've grown through this practice, love and passionate about this practice, I feel like more men could benefit from this practice that maybe never considered it. So it started with an idea of, hey, we're going to make a handful of shirts. We want to make something. If a man walks into the yoga studio, maybe alone, with his wife or his girlfriend or boyfriend, that he walks in and he feels comfortable. That, okay, that looks like that's something for me. It's something I can wear. And I feel like I have a home here. That was the inception of it. But it really didn't take long at all to realize that it wasn't only men that were drawn to what it was that we were espousing as American yogi, that yoga is a place to heal. And whether it's yoga or whether it's something else, there's an entrance point for everyone. And then women quickly not only were drawn to what we were pushing and what we were saying, but that they wanted to also represent it and be a vehicle to help spread the message that we were spreading. So over time, it's developed into what started as a handful of shirts and an idea to get guys into yoga as an entire community of people, both veterans, active duty, both civilians in every sector, of people that were looking for healing, people that are looking for a way to find some respite from the daily grind of life can find a home in American yogi. And now it's truly internationally. I get messages all the time from whether it's Australia or Germany or Spain or I guess from the French Foreign Legion reach out to me. People from all over the world that feel like, They found a home, finally. People that maybe were in a tough place, but through American yogi and through someone that looks like them or someone that looks like an average person, not what they think a yogi should look like, that they realize that it's an acceptable practice and that whether it's through yoga, whether it's through running or biking or mountain climbing or drawing or writing, that they can find healing and that it's okay to access that part of themselves. And what we here as American yogi is to tell them that that's okay.
1: Yeah, so did you have a festival you also did?
0: Yeah, so we do a yearly festival, a 100% veteran-run festival. All of our instructors were veterans. All of the vendors were veterans. We're able to, every year, donate enough money to send up one veteran through a 200-hour YTT yoga teacher training program. And then also donate money to Exalted Warrior, which is a foundation that builds adaptive yoga programs for wounded warriors. So what started as something where, yes, we were just going to produce a few shirts became a movement where one of our priorities is giving back to the community, giving back to people that need it as well so they can benefit how we benefit. And we now also sell yoga mats or yoga rugs that are made in India from a small family in southern India that they hand make the yoga rugs. And there's something so special about them, so energetic about them and and also functional where I don't like practicing high yoga on anything other than one of our rugs. So It has expanded to this community where we happen to also sell apparel as well. I happen to also sell mats as well. But the nexus of just a handful of shirts has become this movement that is now really controlled by the people that love us.
1: That's awesome. So in the podcast that I referenced earlier, Inheriting Manhood with Nate Gladden, you guys came across something that I immediately started to think about the words that he was saying and started to hit rewind because it made me think of yoga you guys eventually went exactly where I was thinking, the community around yoga. And Nay was talking primarily about the experience of military men and women. And he says, almost all of us are still trying to figure shit out. We have no clue. And the only thing we are blessed to do is to be with a group of other people who are probably trying to do the exact same thing. And you just bond over it. You bond with the tiny little tribe inside of it. And so when he said those words, and I was like rewinding, I was like, wait, that, that was gold. I, I got to hear that again. I was thinking that's what it's like in a yoga class. And you guys went immediately into that. So, and again, he's talking about military men and women, the experience you all have in country, as well as your training and just the entire life in the military community. But it also totally relates to the experience of just being in a yoga class with other people.
0: Yeah, I think I remember the exact moment that I felt a true tribe while I was in the yoga class, and this was years ago. I was in a studio where it was a packed class, it was a hot class, there was maybe an inch between mats, and we were doing like windshield wiper in the knees. And at one point, everyone's knees were on somebody else's knees, and we were hot, and we were sweaty, and we were all worked to hell. And I thought to myself, "This feels exactly like it did at survival school. The survival school we were." The exact opposite as far as instead of being hot, we were super cold and we were all just bubbled up on each other. Essentially, we, we all had our legs open wrapped around the other person like a big train of people just trying to get warm. And that's how it felt to me when I was in yoga class that day. And I said, wow, this is exactly like my experience in the military. And I finally found another tribe that I could connect with outside of just the experience of being in the military. And I remember for me, that's what that moment was. I work with a nonprofit called Mosaic Foundation. And what they do is two times a year, they get six or seven people together. and We go to a house out in Breckenridge, Colorado, and we bring people that had never touched yoga before from through... There's wellness classes. There's obviously I did yoga classes, and there's also some energy healing. But the thing is, you see these people that that have never had the experience of yoga, never had the experience of a tribe outside of the military, all of a sudden connect with these people that accept them the way they are in the moment they are there, and then all of a sudden they realize there's this whole community outside of the military that they can access now that they never thought was accessible previously, and change lives.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I think we all need more community in one way or another. And if somebody's gotten into yoga because they had a Peloton app and they're doing it at home, it's like, hey, there's so many other places to broaden your practice. And there probably is at least two of them three blocks away. Go support those studios. Go join that community and grow your practice with others.
0: Yeah, it's less important about how you get into it. More important about that, you you do find something that feels authentic to you in the practice.
1: I really appreciate Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey, how these moments in our lives upend and change our lives. And even going through the bad stuff is not something you may not want to hit repeat on. But usually that experience ends up being a blessing. And for those who kind of keep on having faith and paying attention and growing, there's some amazing stuff that comes out in the other end. You are a warrior poet, literally and figuratively. You've put yourself out there in your practice. You've put yourself out there in creating American Yogi, but you also have a real joy. And I don't know if you were always someone who was into poetry or whether you always had a gift for it, but clearly that's a part of you that you've integrated with your brand, American Yogi, and with the self that you share with others. But you also have a real joy and, I think, gift for writing poetry. And our world could use a little bit more poetry, to be honest. And I think there's a humanity and there's a universal struggle and joy that people have in life that isn't reflected digitally on social media, on Netflix, on all those popular platforms where people consume.
0: It was something that I remember... I was in high school and I was driving to school and I saw the sunrise. I thought to myself, man, that is absolutely beautiful. I wish that I had a way to capture that, that feeling that it gave me, that beauty that that I saw. But it took years before I realized. And I don't know why I still remember that exact moment of, of, of yearning to capture beauty. But it took years before I could figure out what venue that, what modality that took for me. But really, it came naturally. I loved writing when I was a kid. I didn't know if I was very good at it or not. I just enjoyed to do it. But as time went on, we started American Yogi. I started to get my feelings out, my thoughts out to the world or what part of the world that was paying attention. As time went on, I felt the urge to read poetry. That's just sort of how my thoughts came out. And what I found is that by creating these poems, these short stories, if you will, these writing, writing that I do, it's not as explicit as saying, I was here and I did this. When I write, I'm saying, well, I'm in the world and I felt this. So it doesn't matter if someone has had the same experience as me or not. They connect with a feeling. And the fact that I can put a feeling out in the world, and somebody can pick it up no matter where they are on earth and what their experiences are to me, is the most rewarding part of all. The fact that we can make or help people feel validated, help people feel seen, because they can realize, you oh, wow, that feeling that I got from reading that, that poem it's the same feeling that I felt X, Y, Z over the years or that I've experienced doing XYZ. So it allows, I think, a greater sense of community rather than saying, well, I've done this thing and this was really hard. Well, you may not or that person may not have done that thing, but they felt that feeling. And there's something very unique about poetry where you know, I feel like it transcends experience. And it's more about the feeling of the heart.
1: And poetry Seems to be like another doorway into what you found in yoga, but it's quite intertwined and connected to your yoga practice and who you are. And I know men would rather stand in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles than talk about their feelings. So for guys listening, for those who are not in the best place or having a struggle in any way, physically, mentally, spiritually, existentially, however you want to frame it, knowing about your own path knowing about feelings and emotions what is it about a yoga practice that allows you to connect emotionally and move through that experience and that process and get to the other side which you and i know so well is a great place to be
0: i think it's twofold for me one side of it is that it it takes the distraction away so the rest of our life whether it's our phone or our computer or the tv or What have you? There's a multitude of distractions in our life that that easily allow us to ignore our feelings, easily allow us to ignore our emotions and what it is that we really need to focus on most. So yoga strips that down. So you're essentially stuck with you and your, your mind when you're in yoga class, which I think is one of the hardest and also most amazing things about the practice. Then hand in hand with that is that the yoga studio or the practice provides a space where it's okay to be vulnerable. It's where you can feel held emotionally, where you know that you're safe, you're in a place of non-judgment, you're in a place of acceptance, you're in a place where you can come exactly as you are and be next to and tangled with all the people around you, both physically and energetically, and feel like you have a place. So you truly provide a place where you can, you can both process without the walls of distraction and feel safe as you process in my opinion, there was nothing more important or greater than that experience.
1: Well, amen, Phil, it's great to finally connect. I really appreciate you getting on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and your story. I want to thank you for your service to our country. And I also want to thank you for your service in clearing a path and making yoga more accessible. I think it's awesome and it'd be great to keep in touch and best of luck to you.
0: Thank you, brother. Truly, truly an honor to be on the podcast and to have a chat with you and you know, for anybody listening, if they want to reach out anytime, live American Yogi on uh, Instagram or, uh, AmericanYogi.com or AmericanYogi.com or AmericanYogi.com. We're always available. Any questions at all?
1: So that was one of my favorite conversations thus far. I've been doing this podcast for about six months now. And I tell you, it's the conversations that I really enjoy. And that last one with Phil was one of my favorites. He really knows his stuff, not only about what yoga can do, but he also really connects with not just the mind and the body, but also the heart. And I think his poetry is another fascinating example of Phil putting himself out there to bring more people into the path of yoga and just connecting with yourself. Here's the poem I Write a Letter to the Moon by Phil Sussman.
0: So I wrote a letter to the moon. I asked to keep you safe from harm. I asked to keep your spirit warm. I spoke of love, both grand and small, still ailing post the wicked fall. I begged and pleaded for my grip to clench your soul with fingertips. I bartered, bearing empty hands, to grasp a rope from this thick sand. She glowed and laughed and bathed me bright with tales of love, sweet loss, and light. In pain and yearn and broken soul, she stared in silent wisdom. The timeless look upon her face, sit back and made me listen. To arms, she whispered, please fight on, you've only just begun here. She held my face between her hands to kiss my brow and cleanse my fear. And in her silence, grace, and might, she spoke of love, sweet danger. No words, no breath, just shining light, or a reminder of my chance here. A chance to kindle love within, a chance for true endeavor. And with a parting breath, she spoke, this heaven, this is hell here. This is the place that spirits soar, and where they dance forever. So bond your spirit, steal your soul, and you will find your answer.